Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. My name is Simon Miller. This is a pro wrestling show and we're doing things a little bit old school today because if you are a fan of twitch.tv forward slash Simon316, you'll be like, wait a minute, I didn't get a notification for this and that's because I'm just sat here in front of my computer recording a podcast as if it's just an audio treat, which of course it is. Not going to lie, it's so hot in the UK. It's so hot in my in my house. It took me an hour and a half to just record ups and downs for raw today usually it takes me about 40 odd minutes obviously i'm not talking about the script or watching i mean just the actual filming bit i can't sit under hot lights in my house i know i sound oh you poor baby miller i get it but i can't sit under my house for longer the lights in my house for longer than five minutes without being a a mess of a human so i thought you know what today as long as we get the podcast done that's the main thing and i can get some uh, some audio into your ears uh, please do resubscribe to the itunes feed or apple podcasts if you haven't done so already they duplicated it it's destroyed my listenership but i will build it back up because i'm just that kind of guy and of course apologies as well for not doing a show last week life got the better of me it kicked my ass but that's even a bigger reason for me to ensure i get one done today and it gives us loads to talk about too, because the la- Raw last week was far more bonkers than this week's, and I guess it's because they introduced the ideas then, and now they're just trying to run with them and see what they can do. But it also kind of drives a little bit of a wedge into proceedings. And what I mean by that is, if we'd been talking about retribution last week, I would have been like, "Yeah, it's not too bad. I'm going to see where it's going to go." And Raw Underground was kind of the opposite. I was like, "Well, I don't really get it," and you know, is this for me? I'm not too sure. But now I feel like retribution has fallen off a cliff, which we'll talk about in one second. Whereas, um, yeah, I, I actually quite like Raw Underground. Let's start there. To me, Raw Underground just needs it needs time. It needs to not be WWE, and what I mean by that is not just disappear into the into the mist in a month. And you've got to start putting some stories in there. I don't really get why the Hurt Business wasn't involved this week, but I'm happy to give it the benefit of the doubt until probably post-SummerSlam, because uh, I'm going to assume they have some plans they need to wrap up first, or so I, I hope they do. But I like the look, I like the feel, uh, I don't like all the camera cuts, I'm not sure why it needs Shane McMahon, but it seemed to help ratings, so you know, what do I know? But I think there's something here, and I like the way that it allows wrestlers to reframe how you see them. Like Dolph Ziggler last week. Oh, he seems cool. Eric this week. Uh, Riddick Moss, who's had a little bit of a stop-start thing. Uh, Baba Tunde, who's now called Dabba Kato. And that other wrestler guy they had, who I can't remember the name because he was brand new. I think it's a really good way to introduce people into this new world. But the reason why you need to make sure you have narratives is because the excuse or the uh, the argument is always going to be, well, why don't you just go watch MMA? Because in MMA, it's real. And as you can see from Raw Underground, it's not 100% uh, hard-hitting strikes, which is something else they need to tidy up. But as soon as Shayna Baszler walked in there, threatened to take out Dabba Kato, and, oh, man, I loved all of that. I really, really did. Because you know she's a badass. She's got that kind of feeling to her, to her character anyway. So why not run with it, right? Why not run with that? And... It, all it needs is some stories and some structuring. Because at the moment, you know, I don't need to... I'll watch UFC, right? If I want to watch these kind of fights. But WWE has the the power at their hands to create their own stories and to come up with things that you wouldn't expect. 
So, yes, I hope we should do more. I think it needs to be, uh, you know, expanded from just sort of like 30 seconds things here and 30 seconds things there. But I don't hate it. I didn't like the strippers last week, but I think they were gone. I think the porn music was gone this week as well, although I actually wasn't paying that much attention. But that's good, because either way, other things had grabbed me. But I don't mind it. Retribution, on the other hand, to me, as I'm in a little bit stop-start. Like, I was all for, you know, wait and see, wait and see. But you'd have to, you know, even me, Mr. Positive Pete, you'd have to be mad not to admit that what they did on Raw especially was a bit like a bunch of teenagers who weren't very happy with the status quo. The status quo not being the government or the president or the prime minister, being their mum and dad who said they can't have any more candy. Like, breaking cinder blocks, uh, sorry, putting cinder blocks through windows, smashing up cars or kicking upside down cars, telling security guys to go home. Maybe if the execution had been a little bit more violent, it would have been okay. But therein lies the issue. We're going to talk about it. Montez Ford's getting poisoned. Seth Rollins is killing kids. Randy Orton's trying to kill Ric Flair. These are far more grandiose circumstances that they are putting themselves in, whereas the group that's meant to make us go, oh my gosh, what are they going to do? they're not as threatening. And that's the whole point. They need to feel like a threat. Like they 100% need to feel like a threat. So it's early days. It's quite clear whoever is portraying them under the hoods at the moment, I don't think is actually going to be the people that do it. It may be, but I don't think that it is because I don't think they want you to have any kind of a clue. And that's always good. Having a mysterious reveal, I can always buy into. But yeah, it's... They just, they, I need to be in, I keep seeing the same words, but it's true. I need to be intimidated and threatened by what they could do. And at the moment next week, I said this on ups and downs for all. Make sure you check it out, What Culture Wrestling. But at the moment, I kind of feel like they're going to throw an egg at me or they're going to knock on my door and run away or they're going to do a prank call. <laughs> you know, I need more than that. I need to feel like, oh my gosh, these guys mean business. I also want to shout out Pins and Knuckles here, pinsandknuckles.com, pinsandknucklesmerch.com. Always supporting the show. And one of the reasons I have merchandise too, simonmiller.bigcartel.com. Check it out. You can get a bunch of wide tees, the Flexus tee, uh, the Bald Asshole tee. They're all up there and it all supports the show. And of course, patreon.com forward slash simon316. I should say here, I actually revamped it uh, for a what I'm calling a post-pandemic world, even though we're still uh, within the pandemic. So I've made some tiers easier to access to hopefully get some more support, of course, but hopefully to offer you something at a more fair price. So please do check out my patreon.com uh, forward slash SimonMiller316. And you can come on the show too. It's all up there. There's now just four tiers. There used to be way too many, I think. So yeah, look, I'm the, the, the two major points to me coming out of Raw is the Seth Rollins angle with Dominic was great and the Randy Orton angle with Drew McIntyre and Ric Flair was great. And given that they are going to be two of the major matches at what is, you know, really the second biggest pay-per-view of 2020 for WWE on paper... It's kind of hard to knock Raw too badly. You know, every, I never thought that I'd be up for Dominic versus Seth Rollins, but I am. Like I am. I think it's been portrayed well. I think Dominic comes across as an underdog um, in, in the way that he should do. Even though it's a little bit Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler, I like the fact that I think that it was portrayed as Dominic's able to use weapons and, and Seth Rollins isn't, but who knows how that's going to go. I assume that Rey Mysterio will be involved and Alistair Black will be involved, so there'll be some kind of twist coming. But just the sheer beating. Like when I saw it was a contract signing, I rolled my eyes a little bit just because I feel like we're, we're done and dusted with that, but whatever. It was executed fine. And then, you know, well. When I saw Humberto Carrillo lose to Seth Rollins, I didn't understand that because Humberto doesn't need to lose anymore and Seth Rollins certainly doesn't need any more wins. Like he's Seth freaking Rollins, right? We already accept him as a top guy. But if it was to get to the thing we did afterwards, then that is okay. It's kind of my justification for Kevin Owens later, but then Kevin Owens is more protected than Humberto, hence being the difference. But yeah, after all is said and done, Seth Rollins is one. 
you know, Murphy goes after uh, Dominic. Dominic has his little bit of a comeback, which you need. He's got to come across like a fighter. And then they just kick the absolute shib out of him with a kendo stick. And I'm talking, if you aren't going to watch Raw or you just want to see what I'm talking about, just go and Google. It's on WWE.com. It's on all their social medias. They, oh, man, they... They were just, I mean, they weren't holding back intentionally so because I think they want to build some serious sympathy uh, sympathy for him. And it worked. Like, it really, really worked. And I also think there's a doubling down here of, there. I've already seen them, even though I think it's preposterous. Oh, well, Dominic hasn't paid his dues. He shouldn't be in a SummerSlam match. I'm like, man, he's Rey Mysterio's kid. Who wouldn't want to take advantage of that? Let's just be happy for the man. Enough of this schadenfreude. But now he's gone to show, you know, he, 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 he will die for the business. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the uh, you know whatever the hell they were trying to do. He's paid his dues, basically. But um, I really liked it. I think it's going to be a good match. I think there's probably a way for Dominic to win that still protects Seth Rollins. What that is, I don't know. But again, I think there's going to be interference there. But at the same time, let's say Seth Rollins wins. Uh, yeah, Seth Rollins wins. Is that a problem? Not really. I don't think we're going to push Dominic as a major player, but I do think we should use him more. I know it's kind of uh, it kind of comes down to what we do with Rey Mysterio because that's why he you know thinking about re-signing with WWE is to get assurances about what they'll do with his child, which again I totally understand. But I liked it a lot, and I thought it was a really really good way to start off Raw. It was heated. Uh, surprise, surprise! The long-term storylines in the company are the best. Hopefully, they'll catch on to that. I just hope Rey Mysterio is going to be able to watch it because, of course, he hasn't got an eye. And that could make <laughs> that could make it a little bit of a, a little bit of a problem. We cut straight from that for all this stuff with Montez Ford, as we talked about. Montez Ford got poisoned, which is the most hilarious and WWE thing in the late 90s ever. And it's it's kind of okay. It's just I think the shame is is that it's the way to build a tag team title match. And as soon as you introduce poison, that's going to hang above the championship belts, which kind of waters them down. Because did we really talk about them on Raw at all? No, we were talking about the poisoning, as you would have to. But Andrade versus Dawkins, it just annoyed me because it was the start of so many distractions. It's like this week they went, we won't do any roll-ups apart from one, but we'll do distractions. And it's twofold to me. One, I don't want too much of the same anyway because I like variety. But when you do have situations where you need to use a roll-up or a distraction or whatever, then they do still find they, they do still feel kind of crappy because we use them across the show. And that's why it gets under my skin a little bit. It's a fine way to get out of a contest, but not if you're doing it for every single thing. And we saw it here uh, when Andrade lost because Linda Vega was on the, you know, on the ropes, even though she was, you know, Dawkins already had the match once. So it was almost a pointless distraction. And then we went straight into Bianca Belair versus Linda Vega. And there was more distracting. I mean, again, it didn't really lead to the finish, but there's just so much distracting of officials that it kind of takes you. It kind of takes you out of it. I also thought we could have probably built Belair Bianca, uh, Bianca, Belair Vega a bit more. I quite like that feud. I think Zelina's good. I think Belair is good. But she just won here, so surely that's a, that's a one and done. I mean, it won't be because <laughs> it's WWE. I don't know whether who, I, I, I'm going to assume the Street Profits just retain at SummerSlam as well. Again, I don't really know the direction for this feud. It feels a little bit slapdash and a little bit like we're just booking it all over the place. But again, there's all these rumors that WWE is just, you know, rewriting scripts all the time, which would explain why there's not really a connecting thread going through them. Again, it just baffles me because the Sasha Banks Bailey stuff, Drew Randy, uh, Seth Dominic have all been storylines that WWE has invested in and giving time. And now they're paying off. 
you know, Dominic Mysterio, whoever thought they'd be this, I mean, I'm sure some of you aren't, but who would have thought they would have been this interested? I want to see that match. And maybe if you had said to me that was going to be one of the planned matches a few months ago, I wouldn't have bought into it. And I would have thought it was stupid, but no, not at all. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it. VIP Lounge was good. MVP is great. I like his feud with Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews, much like Drew, is being booked as a strong babyface and a good champion. Then he had to lose to Shelton Benjamin, which, of course, is always the balancing out act. And not only was it a distraction, but it was also the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, which is 60 since March 2020 across Raw and SmackDown. And that's not even me counting 24-7 title roll-ups because I thought, well, this is pointless anyway because that's how it always ends. To me, it just means that Shelton Benjamin now has to be, it's got to be a triple threat match for the belt. It won't be, but I don't, I don't see, I mean, I suppose it's because you want the Hurt Business to be a smart, a smart group. And if they lose to, you know, Apollo's obviously going to win at the pay-per-view or so I would assume. So you don't want to make them look too dumb, but then just don't do the match. (laughs) We've heard this all the time. And and who did it really help? I I liked the bit afterwards when Lashley tried to beat him up, but Apollo not only got out of the way, but was also able to, to slam MVP. But then why can't Apollo, you know, be a Seth Rollins or a Randy Orton where he's just allowed to win here to keep his strength alive? Because, you know, Randy Orton beat Kevin Owens clean and Humberto Carrillo got beaten, well, kind of clean. There was actually some distraction in that too, which is why it was too much. But maybe I'm being a little bit harsh. I still like the Hurt Business a lot. I think Shelton Benjamin, Bobby Lashley and MVP together just have awesome chemistry. And Apollo Crews is just, a, you know, now they finally allowed him to let him speak and do more of his thing. I think you get a much better idea of why he was signed in the first place. And that wasn't his fault. He was never allowed to. So yeah, big fan of him. Happy to see Mickey James back. She's going to be feeding with Italia with Lana in her corner. You can't make too many aspersions about it now because we don't know what it's going to do. I like the fact that Italia and Lana are buying all into this and they're dressing the same and they're going to have this. It kind of feels like Lana looks up to Natalia as the leader and doesn't think she gets the respect and Natalia agrees. It was kind of a crappy way to end everything with Bobby Lashley because it just finished. But again, there's always an exception to the rule. And I think just getting out of Dodge as quickly as we could was the right thing to do. So I'm not going to get too, uh, I'm not going to get too mad about it. It was what it was. There's not much to say, not much to write home about, which was the same with the six man tag or the eight man tag that was next. Uh, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, the Viking Raiders versus Tazawa and his ninjas. I mean, it was all just to get our truth is 24 seven championship back. I don't know why I got excited about a match that had ninjas in it. Like even me saying that sentence should be enough to put me off. (laughs) But I think because Tazawa is so talented and because you could have put anybody under the hoods of the ninjas and because the Viking Raiders, Ricochet and Cedric Alexander can, you know, they, they're almost the antithesis to each other, but they also have, um, yeah, they're really, really talented. For it to be over in a minute with Ricochet and Cedric basically doing nothing. I mean, what was the point of putting it there? Does our truth having, you know, getting the belt back do anything? A small part of me thinks that's probably time to, to wrap that up and not even bother doing anything else with the 24-7 championship. Unless you've got a new idea, I don't see what going back to the well does. And I still don't know why Tazawa is a ninja. I think that's why I bought into this more than I probably should have done because he's such a good worker. I was like, oh, maybe they'll... You remember he was having all those when he was being a jobber, basically, but they were still giving him loads of stuff. You know, he was still proving how good he was in the ring. I thought that we were going to do it here. No idea why he's a ninja. Oh, excuse me. Sneaky yawn. Vince McMahon would fire me. Where'd that come from? Haven't (laughs) haven't yawned all day. You're in the middle of a podcast. Great. I don't know. You tell me. Drew McIntyre is awesome, though. Booked as a as a, as a top, confident, no messing around champion. Cut a promo here about Randy Orton and just says, you know, he holds people down. He does it because he knows as soon as he lets go, he's out on his ass. 
you know, stole the torch from Mick Foley in 2004 or whenever it was. And now I'm going to be the guy to rip it away from him. And there was some nonsense with Charlie Crusoe going, well, what if Kevin Owens does that? As if Randy Orton's never lost. But I guess it had to be addressed because it was going to be the main event. But Drew McIntyre just works for me. He's allowed to be funny. He's allowed to be, he's allowed to be himself. That's why. And no one's telling him what to say or do. I mean, we'll talk about Randy Orton when we get to the end of the show, but I certainly wouldn't mind if he um, if he won the belt either. That's nothing against Drew. That's just because Randy Orton is on a is on a kick. Another distraction finish when Liv Morgan lost to Peyton Royce. I'm not going to get into it. I think that feud is stupid, and I never say that. But this idea that the Ruby Riot and Liv, the Riot Squad, are they together? Aren't they together? It's like why would I care? It didn't even make sense a few weeks ago when Bianca Belair was hanging around with Ruby Wright. So, you know, I don't have any faith that you're going to do anything, which is the complete opposite to Oscar versus Bailey, which was the best match on the show. An absolutely fabulous women's, um, well, it wasn't a championship match, but for a women's championship match at SummerSlam against um, against Sasha Banks. You know, it, it just serves everybody. I know that some people oh, I can't believe you beat the champion. But yes, the reason that she lost is because Sasha Banks set this up. So either Sasha or Bailey is going to lose their championship at one point. The other one was get super jealous, turn on it. And then we build to that match. It was 100% the right thing to do. And again, this match was just excellent. Oscar can work with anyone when Bailey. Well, I think Bailey's good regardless, but she's especially good when she's got the right opponent. And this kind of ties into what I was talking about earlier. Of course, I wanted Sasha Banks to be distracting on the outside. It's their MO. It's what I've come to expect. They're bad people. But it did, you know, feel a little bit lackluster here because we'd seen, what, four? Four other distraction finishes. I mean, three for the top of my head because the Humberto Carrillo one, the Apollo Crews one, and the Peyton Royce one, and the Bianca Belair one, and the Dawkins one. It's five. Five distractions. And this didn't lead to the finish here, so it's not as bad. But this is where you should save it from so that we as fans are keeping an eye out going, oh, maybe Bailey is going to win because of the distraction. But it'd been running to the ground so where you didn't care. But I mean, I'm picking at straws here. There's no need. It was so good. It was such a good match. And yeah, I can't wait to see what they do with the uh, the Battle Royal on uh, Friday to determine who the hell's going to be Bailey's contender at SmackDown. I think one of them, at uh, SummerSlam, I think one of them's going to lose. And, and that's the right time to do it. I almost think that given that there's no fans, WWE may not try and eke Sasha Banks and Bailey out till WrestleMania 37, which would be absolutely incredible. I don't know if they can do it, but I certainly would like to see them try. So far, so good is what I will say. Excellent. Really, really good. And the, the closing angle was fire too. It just was. Uh, it was a shame that obviously Kevin Owens had to be a punching bag. But this is my point. He was a punching bag in order to get the number one contender for the WWE title over. And because he's a big name, the fact that he lost, you're like, oh my gosh, Randy Orton's on a tear. That's what I mean about clean finishes. That's why it can work. But it was everything afterwards. I mean, the short story is that Ric Flair got punted in the head because Randy Orton is a psychopath and thinks that, you know, the fact that Ric Flair made this match happen to begin with is, uh, is a potential threat to him becoming the champion again. So he's got to go. So he essentially killed him. So essentially what he did, he essentially killed him in the promo about Ric Flair. I mean, if you know about all the troubles that he's been through with his health the last few years, and he's an emotional dude anyway, but delivering it the way that he did, and then for Randy Orton to screw him over like he did. Ah, oh, it's top stuff. This is the kind of thing that wrestling is made out of. And you wouldn't have been able to do any of it without the long-term storytelling, the promos, the building of characters, giving it time. This was probably a little delayed because of the virus. And on that note, I am happy that, you know, Ric Flair is not going to be on TV. Uh, because he, I just don't think a 71-year-old man with health issues needs to be around the uh, the pandemic situation at the moment. I think the you know the cons outweighs outweigh the pros. But you know, just looking at the context that it was presented here, it makes Randy Orton like an absolute killer. Drew McIntyre coming out just you know adds a little bit of salt to the steak or the sizzle to the steak, whatever the hell you say. And I and again, Ric Flair, sorry, Randy Orton is on such a tear. 
how can he not become the champion? It almost seems ridiculous if he didn't. And there is this conspiracy going around or this sort of theory going around that maybe the reason the lights went out. And I think they did this to protect Ric Flair and tie it into the Retribution storyline. But I guess you do have a get out of jail free card that if you want it to be a ruse by the dirtiest player in the game, well, you can actually uh, you can actually explain that, which I'd actually be okay with. That would be, um, yeah, that, that would be all right. But it was a fabulous end to Raw. It was so good that it almost made the rest of it irrelevant. I didn't care about Retribution, Raw Underground, the distraction finishes. I just thought this is pro wrestling at its best. And proves that WWE can do it. <laughs> so why they don't do it all the time, you tell me. Because I have absolutely, I have absolutely no clue. SmackDown was a little bit from last week, this is. I would like someone to get in touch with me and tell me what they think about the Braun Strowman Bray Wyatt stuff. I've thought about this all weekend and I don't get it. Why was Alexa Bliss in the ring? She appeared out of nowhere. Why did they even do this if Braun Strowman's not going to care? I think we need to get the belt back on Bray Wyatt like, you know, yesterday and then just get Braun Strowman to be his mad monster self. Although we are, I think we've just clocked over one year since we first saw The Fiend or he had his first match or, or whatever. Uh, we're around about that time. And what a crazy thing. It feels like a lot longer than 12 months, which I don't think is a good thing. But that's because he's been involved in so much good and so much bad. You know, the Finn Balor stuff, really, really good. Uh, maybe the, obviously the Firefly Funhouse skits and just the character in general and the Firefly Funhouse match. But the Seth Rollins stuff at Hell in a Cell, the Goldberg madness, everything with Braun, I don't think has been particular fire, although it's okay. But I'm not sure that okay is, is where you need to be. I think he has to win in, in, in a few weeks' time. Um, but I don't understand how Alexa Bliss ties into this now. If Braun doesn't care about her. Also, how does Braun back from being drowned in a swamp? <laughs> Nobody knows that. And I do feel sorry for Shorty G as well, Chad Gable. I thought at least his heel turn would get him one good match against Matt Riddle. But we didn't even get that and he got destroyed by Sheamus, who I think turned face. I'm still trying to figure that one out. It seemed, uh, it seemed absolutely bizarre, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, the thing is... Sheamus versus Matt Riddle is not a bad match on any stretch of the imagination. But when you have a more obvious one staring at you in the face and then you just beat up a guy that maybe not the, the masses want to see get pushed, but certainly the hardcore fans who are the ones that are hanging around right now, it does feel, um, it does feel, it does feel a little bit crazy. Just a little bit. And now for the life of me, I can't remember how the... How on earth did that, sh that show close? Let me get my notes up because they will be here. Here we are. My notes are right in front of me because I actually... I actually had this down. Uh, of course, it was the retribution stuff of them absolutely kicking ass. See, I, this still wasn't executed in the best way. There's that word again. But, you know, at least there was something there that I thought you could, you could hold on to. You know, the chainsaw was a little bit different. When they, you know, took that woman and threw her into the, the barricade and let you know that there's women in the group because WWE wouldn't, wouldn't do that in any sense of the imagination. And it looked quite vicious as well. I like the weird camera shot because they chased away the cameramen. All of that was decent. But then, yeah, they cut the rope and they jump around like they've just won Scrabble. Like, that's, not, that's not the kind of thing that we need to see. And then it doubled down the wrong way on Raw. But they should just stick with it. They should just listen to the feedback. And, you know, if they do indeed make it more intense on friday then great we can forget about this and just put some decent people under the hoods so when when, when they get revealed not only are you going to get fans excited but then just don't do, do what you did with the nexus right don't do what you did with the nexus ensure they do get a big win over a drew mcintyre randy orton a kevin owens a seth rollins you know a bray wyatt a, a the fiend i truly mean it. if you want to believe that they're threats they have to be beating people in wrestling matches and they have to be being beating top names. If they come in and beat, for example, Chad Gable, you're just going to roll your eyes and go, well, everyone beats Chad Gable. I'd probably beat Chad Gable if I got called in, right? There's nothing, there's nothing there. So hopefully WWE's learned from their mistakes. We will see. Uh, the other elephant in the room we have to talk about is Chris Jericho. 
I think it was it wasn't the smartest idea in the world. You know what I mean? There's no excuse for it. I don't know the reasons behind it. I hope that there's no. Uh, I'm talking about him playing a gig at Sturgis over the last couple of days. You know, in a world where it it, it seems huh, beyond risky to do that kind of thing, especially when you have got guys like John Moxley, who even though he tested negative for the um, for the virus, decided, you know what, I'm just going to wait it out just in case. I thought I just it's one of those situations where you're like, man. I don't think that we need to be <laughs> I don't think we need to be doing that. But hopefully everyone is going to take the right precautions. That's the main thing. Health and safety. That's all I care about. You know, I don't want anyone to get sick. I don't want anyone to die, obviously. And I want to get through this as quick as we can. And obviously doing things like that probably isn't probably isn't going to help. But look, it happened over here in the UK as well, if you don't know. Really bad too. A Celtic player went to Spain, and when you come back from Spain, you got a quarantine for two weeks. Didn't tell anyone, played in a football match, and now Celtic and Aberdeen Scotland Premier League matches have been stopped. They've been shut down for a week or so. Why people have to quarantine? Just because of one person. And that's really what should happen with Chris Jericho too, but I'm not in control of any of that. But it surprised me. I shall say this. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a big surprise. And I don't know... I don't know what AEW's response will be. I don't know. You know, I, I think it's difficult from fans because there'll be half the people that want it to happen. But if the match between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho got delayed, I'd tell you, there would also be, there would be some sad faces. There absolutely would be. People wouldn't, they wouldn't be into that at all uh, because they want to see that match. And sometimes people forget that, you know, it is just, they don't, it's almost like they don't see it as entertainment. They kind of get lost in it a little bit, but we'll, we'll find out. Raw overall though, do, I don't necessarily know if it's getting or heading in the right direction because obviously the ratings have been so crazy that AEW's actually beat it in some of like the 18 to 34 categories or things like that. But I do feel like they planted more seeds than they would have done otherwise. They still they need to build new stars is the issue, which is why it's crazy that I should have said this on ups and downs. I've let myself down, but we'll say it here. You know, why is Mustafa Ali all of a sudden, you know, he came back one week, one, second week lost, and now he's losing to Riddick Moss on main event. It's nothing against Riddick Moss, but Mustafa Ali, to me at the moment, you know, you need to build Riddick Moss, whereas Mustafa Ali has some has some tenure with the fans. And I don't know about you, but I want to see him treated. I want to see him giving a, a proper push like he was going to get before he unfortunately got concussed. And look, the best part coming out of that was the Kofi Kingston run, which to me is still one of the highlights of last year and uh, a proper feel-good wrestling moment that made you think, man, I love watching this. But I don't, under I don't see why we wouldn't go back to it at some point. I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for something, but it seems very strange that he inserted himself into the, into the program with MVP and then just has vanished. I, I don't know what, I don't know what that's about. And he's a guy that probably could do it. It's the same with Alistair Black that seems to have been written off TV because of injuries. Um, maybe it's because they have a plan and they want to get through SummerSlam and they think that well, there's no point you being on television until we've got something more for you. But out of sight, out of mind is the truth. And they are absolutely two guys that uh, need, well, they just need more. They need time and they need to be able to sold to the WWE universe who has absolutely no clue who they are. And I don't think the best way to do that is to have them, you know, out injured or, or losing on main event, which just by its nature, people do see as second rate for many, many reasons that we that we could talk about. But because well, it is really, isn't it? Like it's, it's filmed and, and this and that. But like, I don't know. I know that, you know, that this new direction is, is, is dividing a lot of people, but I'm kind of intrigued to, I'm kind of intrigued to see where we're going to go with it. Like I truly, truly am. And I'm certainly have been finding myself more intrigued by the last couple of weeks. 
And if we can pay some of these feuds off at SummerSlam and then build for the rest of the year and then get to the Royal Rumble, wherever hell that will be, and continue this on, maybe WWE will be in better shape. But nothing is going to all of a sudden make your ratings turn around. Like you have to be consistent with good programming. And only then when you get sort of, you know, word of mouth spreads and, you know, this and that and ups and downs, haha, funny, funny. Do you start seeing your audience grow back up? Like it's something that AEW has been doing very well. People like to come up with all kinds of theories and you're certainly allowed to do that. But the truth is they've been putting on a pretty decent show. And even against competition last Wednesday, they were able to grow their audience, both in viewers and the key demos. I know it's boring to hear all of this stuff, but that's a good template that WWE should follow. Not that they haven't done it before. AEW didn't invent this template, but it's about deciding on what your story want to be so you have the ending and then just kind of figuring out how you get there. And you can do twists and turns. You can change your mind here and there. Of course you can. But it's more important to ensure that everybody gets that nice finish where you go. Because that's the Randy Orton, Ric Flair thing, right? I predicted that. I think we all predicted that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't completely out of left field. In fact, that's probably why he was put with him. So now Randy Orton can claim another legend. But I see it happy and it still gets me an emotional reaction because of the performances, because of what they were saying, and because of how it was done. And really, that could have been cheap as anything with the light going out. But I haven't seen that many people get pissed off at all. And I think that's because, again, it's like when you watch a movie and sometimes they don't show you what you're expecting to see and it's left in your mind's eye. So what you create in your brain and what you create in your head is just so much worse. I thought it was a great angle, as you probably as you probably figured out. It does worry me about SmackDown, because usually it goes raw good, SmackDown bad, SmackDown good, raw, raw bad. But let's hope I'm wrong, and let's hope that we, we you know, we can... SmackDown needs new stories, I would say. This King's Ransom stuff is okay, but it's not... You know that Matt Riddle's going to get to Baron Corbin, and then I assume that he's going to win. But I've seen so many people beat Baron Corbin, I'm not sure that it establishes Matt Riddle as a star. I think maybe he should be going after after bigger fish because do we really have any time we need to waste? I don't know. A lot of people disagree with that and think that you do need to repay your dues when you get on the main roster. Uh, I tend to not think about it. Uh, NXT from AEW last week. I really liked the Dynamite show. I thought, you know, events recently notwithstanding. Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy was top stuff. I really want to see that match and I think it's time for Orange Cassidy to win. Uh, everything with Cody and Zack Ryder, Matt Cordona, I really enjoyed because I just thought it was so nice. Him taking on Scorpio Sky this week, I think will be money. Uh, the crazy tag match at the start was just fun. And I think sometimes we forget that wrestling is meant to be about fun and we just kind of do all this all, all this stuff regardless. And it was just a really, really well-paced show. Like Sheeda, I've seen all the stuff about the women's division in AEW and it's clearly a work in progress or so I hope because yes, they need to feature their women's champion more and yes, you know, they just need more stories because the Britt Baker, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Big Swole stuff is great because I now know the characters. I know where they're going. I know what they've done. And we just need that for Sheeda because she is the women's champion. And we just need that dotted around the place, especially because when WWE does do it, uh, WWE, when AEW does doing it, they're doing it really, really well. They have so many interlinking stories. The best one being that so many people want the world championship, which is making that feel important. Same for the uh, the TNT belt, same for the tag team belts. But who really wants the AEW women's title at the moment? Not many people. I mean, Brick kind of does, Big Swole kind of does. And I understand there's been injuries like Chris Statlander and all of that, and we may have headed in that direction. And maybe that's what they're trying to do with this women's tag team tournament and on dark. They're trying to build up people so they have new stars. But there's still people in there. Like, I don't know what Penelope Ford is doing. Maybe I've made a mistake, but could she not be injected into that? Could you not go back to Nyla Rose? I know we've seen it before. But again, all it takes is the planting of that seed and I'll be, I'll be fascinated. I also saw so many people obviously melt down about Eric Bischoff. I literally just, uh, am I going to be able to find it? 
there's a quote that he did earlier about his time in AEW and whether he would go back. And he said, there it is. First of all, they don't need me. So why would anybody hire me for a position they don't need? They're not going to do that. They're on a roll. AEW is on a roll. So he's clearly cleaned up his his relationship with Tony Khan, which was a little bit uh, bad for a while. But that's good. And I thought it was a nice... Like, if you knew, you knew. If you didn't know, you didn't know. The fact it was the first time in 25 years was uh, was no bad thing. I, I dug it. Like, I, I really, really did. I thought I was a bit worried when I first heard the name because you don't want to do it overkill now that we've got Vicky Guerrero, Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, and Jake Roberts. But I thought it was a nice way to bring him in and the Orange Cassidy promo when he finally fired up and he finally showed you some emotion. Again, that's just long-term storytelling pelling off. It's not the greatest thing in the world. It's, you know, again, Stevie Wonder could see it coming. But I was still invested in it. And I think invested in emotions are the thing that I'm relearning. It is the simple stuff that gets me into wrestling. And you can still do the flips and the dives and the bonkers stuff. But as long as there's that story thread going through it too, which is why I want Raw Underground to have something like that. I'm not saying it's going to be sad or heartbreaking. But even the I thought the idea of the Hurt Business taking over to hurt people and maybe even rebranding it the Hurt Business instead of Raw Underground or you know having an amalgamation of the two would have given them something different to do and made them feel like a new group. And maybe they are still going to do that, but they feel like they need to get the Apollo Crews feud out the way first. So look, there are some, some silver linings here. A lot of it is a bit meh. You know, Retribution certainly need a tweak, but they have only been doing this for a week. I know it's been three shows, which always feels like a lot because WWE produces content like nobody's business, but it's three shows. And hopefully, I've always said this, I don't mind them trying and failing, but as long as they're hearing some of this feedback, and look, they can reject the feedback, but I just hope they're hearing it and processing it in whichever way they think is the best way to do it. I think they need to be, the coolest thing about the Nexus, which is what a lot of people compare them to, is the Nexus came out, they destroyed the ring, they choked Justin Roberts, I know Daniel Bryan got fired, but it still looked incredible. And if Wade Barrett had eventually beat John Cena, I think we would have built this new main event star. So at the moment, we haven't got that first bit quite right, but we certainly can do it. And whoever the leader of this thing is needs to go straight after the world title or straight after a big guy, and they need to win. Because otherwise, they've turned up at Raw and the status quo, there's that word again, is still intact. And if you're out for retribution, usually it's to shake things up. And at the moment, they're not shaking things up. They just turn the light switches on and off. And I (laughs) I can deal with that. I do it in my house all the time. Sometimes it sucks. The bulb goes out and I buy a new bulb and we just move on to something else. All right, that's enough about that. Uh, because it's a little bit of a different show, obviously we lack the interaction of uh, of a Twitch feed and things like that. I just thought I'd answer some questions that I threw out there to you this morning. At Simon316 on Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of nonsense. I'm going to start with my man Dustin Parry, who says, should MJF get the title in this match coming up, or would it build, or would it build him further to have the belt slip through his fingers this time? <clears throat> we kind of talked about this last week. I mean... Everyone said this about John Moxley as well. And that Chris Jericho shouldn't lose the championship because it wasn't time and so on and so forth. I think if we get to All Out and it just feels like it makes sense to give MJF the title, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. John Moxley is so over that he can survive losing as long as you come up with a good way as to why he loses. Whereas MJF may actually cement this rise that he's been on becoming the world champion. There is something to say that, you know, with all this presidential type stuff with the campaigning, if he doesn't win, it may actually hurt his character. I doubt it, because when you can cut a good promo, you can usually do whatever you want. And again, it all comes down to what the decision is and what the plan is and what the story on the fallout is and stuff like that. I personally think that I would like to see MJF as champion because I think it would be insufferable. And I think John Moxley, you know, as the babyface champion has been there long enough that you can switch it and kind of change the structure of your whole show. So I'm going to go behind MJF, but I think this is the great thing about booking matches like this. Really, whoever wins, I'll be happy. So I win. 
which is awesome. My man Baz says, do you think we get the four horsemen revealed tomorrow during tag team appreciation night? Uh, do you think TH2 will start to gain ground in the division as Cody is on record as Jack Evans is one of the most underrated guys on the roster? And how do you think Jericho Orange will top match one? Uh, I mean, you could probably do something tomorrow. I, I, I kind of think that we won't because the build has been more teasing at the moment. And I think when you pull the trigger on that, you want to make it not obvious, but that there's a little bit of steam behind it. Uh, TH2, yeah, Jack Evans and um, Angelico are back now, aren't they? I'm not sure where they're based. Um, I've, I've read sort of some of Jack Evans' tweets and he seems like he's got his head screwed on really well. So yeah, I do think he'll do well. Uh, I did, There are a bunch of guys in AEW that just need more time. And they will come to fruition. They will. And, you know, those guys, they just need, again, like most people, we already talked about it. They just need a cool story to get fans invested in them that way. And they've absolutely got the wrestling chops. Jack Evans especially is ridiculous. And I think Jericho and Orange Cassidy too will top it. I think the build's been slightly better this time. But also, I think Orange Cassidy is going to win. So, you know, as soon as you get that sort of first big shock upset win in AEW, I think that's going to cause shockwaves. And you're doing it with a guy that does seem to have a little bit of mainstream appeal. And to me, that carries more weight than the first one, which kind of came and went. It was still good. But I don't know. We will see what they do. But I think there's a lot riding on it. And it should be good. Captain Cat to the Night Rider, great name, said, Would you ever travel and go wrestle in either Mexico or Japan once everything is back to normal? My rule with professional wrestling bookings is if you do book me and I can make it, I'll be there. That's it. I'd love to travel the world. I'd love to travel... Um, and you know, and, and wrestle on the other side. That sounds absolutely incredible. Whether I'm worthy on that is a different question. But I certainly want to push this wrestling career as far as I can. And yeah, that's been the worst thing about the pandemic. Not the worst thing. But one of the bad things about this pandemic is that wrestling in the UK has just stopped. And I miss it dreadfully. I get pangs for it, which is good though. Again, there's always a spin. And the spin is I clearly must like it to a certain degree to get that pang. Uh, my man Daniel says, is Bailey's title run one of the best in the last 20 years? So we're going back to 2000. I think you could probably argue that on some level. I mean, in the early 2000s, titles were kind of hot-shotted as they were during the Attitude Era. It depends really what you determine as a great title reign. But yeah, I think it's probably... I mean, the fact that I'm sort of arming an army means maybe it's probably not. But I certainly think it helps to cement this new character to the point I now prefer it to her old one. Obviously, it's the same with Sasha Banks. That wouldn't work without Bailey being champion. I think it's probably given her a new lease of life, given her a more adult persona to play. I would say probably yes, but I need to sit down and think about other title reigns. Uh, Creating Quality says, what are your thoughts on Impact these days since the management changed in January 2018? Impact's a good show. Impact's a good show. It's got a great roster. They tell smart stories. They go a little bit awry here and there. And the only reason we don't talk about it more on what culture is a question of, is a case of time and that, you know, because their audience, the people watching it is smaller. Therefore, our audience, when we're talking about it, is smaller. And unfortunately, it's a business decision at the end of the day. What's going to get the most views? Would I rather it wasn't like that? Of course I would. But I get it as well. You've got to make sure that it's financially, financially viable. But no, I think Impact's great. And I think Scott Damore and um, oh, Cyrus, what's his real name? I can't remember his damn real name because my stupid brain. Either way, I think those two have done a really, really good job. Um, and there are still a few things they can do, of course, but it seems like they're working towards that. They've got a good backer with Sinclair. I us ring on a Sinclair. Uh, with Anthem, sorry. So, yeah, no, I like Impact. I really, really do. They've got really, really good wrestlers. Uh, my man Sean says, over, under, 100 times, the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, gets used in WWE before 2020 is over. Dude, it's going to go way over 100 times. We're already up to 60. 
and we've got a good six months to go. It will fly by. Bingo Bango says, what needs to happen for Impact to start gaining viewers once again? It appears to have a resurgence in fans online recently, but not in ratings. Well, I mean, look, that's the eternal question. AEW wants better ratings. NXT wants better ratings. Obviously, WWE want better ratings. You need stars. Stars are usually the be-all and end-all, the people that get you to tune in. I mean, why did we tune in in the 80s for Hulk Hogan? We tuned in the late 90s for Austin and The Rock. And then Cena was managed to sort of capture that youthful demographic that just followed him wherever he would go. And we don't really have, you know, why do I tune into Raw? Because it's Raw. Why do I tune into SmackDown? Because it's SmackDown. And I would say that's kind of the same across the board. There isn't this sort of one unifying star at the moment throughout any wrestling organization. But we are certainly at hinting them in other places. And that's what Impact needs to do as well. They need to have that one guy that crosses over and people think, well, I can't miss the show because I can't miss him. And when you have that and almost... You know, some people say you shouldn't do this, but when it does feel like a dude or a, a girl is bigger than the uh, the company itself, people watch. You know, Becky Lynch kind of had that um, had that impact too. Not as big as some other people, but she certainly did get people interested. Uh, Glenn Haynes says, will wrestling see a decline? Well, it already is. You know, I don't try to worry about ratings too much in terms of how much I care about them because it's out of my hands, but I do find them interesting. But wrestling right now is will go with less popular in terms of a statistic point of view than it has been really since the mid-90s. You know, in terms of how many people are watching and the interest there. Like hopefully it's gaining a little bit more momentum thanks to NXT and AEW seemingly latching on to a new audience. But overall, the same kind of people aren't watching it. You know, I think it was like a 10.2, the best rating that Raw ever did in that Undertaker Stone Cold Steve Austin segment. I don't think we'll ever get back there just because of the way that TV has changed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has declined, but I hope that it inclines soon because I love wrestling and I want everyone to, to succeed. Matthew says, what is the end game for retribution? Oh, dude. Oh man. I'd love to tell you. I don't know. I mean, ultimately it should be to start attacking superstars, wrestlers, and making a real name for themselves and winning all the titles. But before you get there, they have to feel like they're worthy of that position. And like we've already talked about, I don't think WWE has done that yet. But it should be taking over. Like, well, you're copying NWO. That's okay. The NWO worked and it's been long enough. Same with Nexus. It's been long enough. You just have to make, you know, WCW dropped the ball by, you know, leaving the New World Order go too long. WWE dropped the ball by not having NXT beat anyone of note. So now let's learn from all of this and let's try and apply it. And let's see what happens. Uh, Jamie, if you could book any program for two wrestlers past or present, who would you book and who would go over? Uh, well, it'd either be Goldberg versus Steve Austin and I have Austin go over. Or two people from different eras. I'd probably do Bret Hart and Daniel Bryan. Just because it, from a, and Bret Hart is my favorite wrestler ever. And while technical wrestling isn't necessarily my favorite type, I think they would put on a match that was so realistic and made so much sense that you could show it to other people to get them invested in wrestling. Like, look, it kind of does look like a fight. So I, and I think Daniel Bryan is one of the best ever. I think Bret Hart is probably the best ever or up there, you know, top two or three. So seeing those two go out, it would be, uh, would be pretty damn good. And my man Baz says, have you enjoyed the deadly draw tag cup tournament? Personally love seeing them use different women. Feels like it's a big tryout of Western women in order to bulk up the roster. Um, now the virus looks less and less likely to get the international women back to the US anytime soon. I've only seen the first episode, haven't seen the second, but I think the second one did well, which I enjoy. And yeah, look, if it's more time to get that division over, that's fine. I hope eventually it does move over to Dynamite. But, um, you know, I like Nyla Rose a lot. I think she's great. You know, I like uh, Chris Statland. I know she's not in the tournament, but Sheeta, Penelope Ford, all these women are awesome. But you're right, you do need to you do need to find other people to be able to fill those slots. I need to watch the second episode, really. You know, I've only seen one that had two matches on it, so I'm still quite a newbie to it. But I'm glad they're doing it. More, they should do more stuff like that. Just make sure you don't wear out the audience. Russ Hardy, if you could build a faction around 
you, who would be in it? One muscle, one tag team, and one woman can be either heel or face. Um, well, I'm in it, obviously. My muscle would be Bobby Lashley, because he's always underused. Better now. My tag team would be Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, because I love them. And my woman would be Britt Baker. What a weird team. That probably going to be heels. But I'm all right with it. Uh, Bingo Bango's back. And he says, do you think the issues at WWE regarding creating stars is systemic? If so, what do you believe needs to change before we see true stars again? I just think McMahon got Vince McMahon got burned so badly with Brock Lesnar, Batista, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin to a, to a lesser extent that he decided no more is anyone going to be bigger than the initials WWE. And you can't run a wrestling company that way. You have to let these people off the leash and let them fly. Otherwise, they can't grab you, that major audience. And I think that's the big thing. We need to change that. We need to go in the opposite direction. And we need to find ways to make these people feel like stars. And you can't feel like a star if you're deliberately being booked to be less than the company. It's like a football player in a football team. They feel like they almost transcend. And which is why Alex Ferguson, who's a very famous Manchester United manager for people that don't know, when the likes of David Beckham got too big, he shipped them out because that's not how he wanted to run the company. But that's a professional sport and this is professional wrestling and it's very different. Um, my man Richard says, do you think after taking a beating at SummerSlam, Dominic will go away for a while, like a year or more to train and then return under a mask as Rey Mysterio 3, probably as his father's career comes to an end? No, I don't think so. At least I hope they don't. I mean, there's a cool story in that. But right now, I actually feel like he's got some momentum and one thing that WWE doesn't do is capitalize on that. I don't think Dominic's going to be that star, but do I know for sure? Of course I don't. And none of us do. You may roll your eyes at that, but maybe that's the surprise. So no, I, I hope that he... Um I hope that we capitalize on this. He can go away for a little bit if he gets a beating. But ultimately, I think I'd have him win at SummerSlam. And I'd probably have a Samoa Joe or a Kevin Owens or a Rey Mysterio, Alistair Black, somebody interfere to make it happen because I understand why you'd want to do that. But it still counts as a victory. I think that would be great. Uh, Reese says, dream incarnation of the four horsemen if you could have anyone. Well, I'm going to be a loser. It's the, it's the four horsemen, right? It's, it's the one that everybody knows. And then I suppose you argue over... Uh, Barry Windham or uh, Lex Luger or whoever else got in it. But no, I would always go for the original. The original is the best. It's not the original, the one with Barry Windham in it. I think those four guys... To me, there's nothing wrong with redoing the Four Horsemen, but sometimes we do look back a little bit too much. Why can't we just come up with four brand new guys and give them a different name? And that's a really crappy answer, but it is how I feel. Cal says, Orange Cassidy or Chris Jericho... Um, who has the right to win? I'd say Orange in one upset finish. Two, he's a comedy wrestler, so the finish might be a joke. Three, Jericho's jacket is somehow even Oranger. Well, I think we've kind of shown on Dynamite that he's not just a joke. I think Orange Cassidy should win. I think it would be a mistake potentially if we don't. But again, it's all about the fallout. Uh, free Zaha. <laughs> Clearly wants uh, Wilfred Zaha to leave Crystal Palace. If you could make a faction, who would you add and what would be the faction's name? Well, we've kind of done that. Uh, but the, the faction names from earlier, I'd go with Miller, Miller's Minions. Because, um, because why the hell not? And uh, we'll do a couple more. Actually, we'll just do this one. Cara Baby for President says, were you ever scheduled to be Sean Spears's... So I'm reading this in a tweet. Sean Spears's partner during his partner search. No, I wasn't. I mean, I don't know whether that was heading somewhere. In my dreams, I like to pretend that it was. And then the pandemic came and stole my opportunity away. But again, this is all speculation and conjecture in my own head while I get excited about certain things that, that may or may not happen. There was... Um, no, I'd never heard anything from AEW. I didn't know they were going to wear that clip. I was very, very grateful for them for doing so because as a massive wrestling fan, it was a bit like, well, I'm a nerd, right? So I enjoyed nerding out to that. But we will uh, we'll wait and see what happens. At the moment, like, no one can go anywhere. Everybody's trapped in their houses. I'm not trapped in their houses, but we certainly can't go abroad. 
Um, but I like to dream big and I like to shoot my shots and I like to believe. So if anything changes, I'll let you know. But no, I was never meant to be his partner. But would I have done it? You bet yo ass. Uh, right, now we'll get to, well, we'll just wrap things up, I should say. We will be back on twitch.tv forward slash Simon316. There's no point me sitting in this room and only doing a 15-minute podcast. It would have been ridiculous. And my idea is to try and get, not daily podcasts, but more of these up anyway. So maybe I'll start doing shorter bursts now, which will make it easier to segue when I can go back on Twitch. Otherwise, yes, thank you so much for joining me as always. Please make sure you subscribe. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Simon316. 316, 316. Check out the new tiers. See if they work for you youtube.com search for simon miller give me a subscribe twitch.tv we've already mentioned on instagram and twitter at simon miller 316 and i got merchandise simonmiller.bigcartel.com got a wide t-shirt bald asshole t-shirt a bunch of simon miller slaphead t-shirts which always sounds weird uh, but look take care of yourselves take care of each other if you're in the uk try not to melt too much or maybe you love this weather and you think i'm a moaning mini you would be 100 right and i'll definitely talk to you thursday but hopefully i'll talk to you before then as well